I have a question for you to start. How many of you would want to be doing what you're doing today at 85? Like it's a couple of people. That's good. That's good. You know, kind of like you're, you're, you're liking the life that you're building, that you're growing into. And you would say, I'd want to be doing that at 85. Kind of like I, I, I want to be the person uh, I hope others will know and the friend people will cherish. I found this video online and I just loved it. We're going to just look at 60 seconds of it. It's an, it's an 85-year-old guy. First of all, he's so cute. I mean, 85 years old. And then he's really cool at the same time. And I just, I saw that and I thought, man, this guy just like he has lived and breathed the beat inside of him, right? And it made me think like, when's the first time you ever heard the drums? Or the first time he saw a, like a live band and he thought, I want to do this. Or maybe the first time he thought, I want to be a musician. Or maybe the first time he held a pair of drumsticks and he ended up kind of feeling like, yes. Or how many hours did he practice? I mean, and there's no doubt as you watch this at 85 years old, it's just second nature for him. Even maybe, may, who knows, maybe he's dealing with arthritis. Maybe he has weeks, uh, weak, you know, weak um, elbows or something, but he, it's just so in him and he lives it out. And as I saw that story and I thought of that met, this metaphor of the series that we're in, and I thought at some point this guy changed his story and started living it. At some point, just this piece of his story, we don't know what the rest of his life is like, but he changed his story in terms of music anyways, and then started living it. And I thought, not everybody does that. Not everybody does that. Lots of people say, I want to be this or that. I would uh, one day want to make an impact like this, or one day have a, have a marriage like this, or one day flourish in my friendships like this, or one day use my gifts in this way, or one day I want to give generously like this. But the hard part is actually going from here to there, right? Actually from the thought in our mind to actually living it out. We've been in this series called Change Your Story. And we started talking about, you know, asking the question for all of us, just to reflect, what, it, what stories have influenced your life? Because we said a couple of weeks ago, we live out the stories we believe in. And so we asked about the influence. What has influenced? What stories have influenced our lives? And what are the symptoms in our actions and decisions that actually tell us about the stories we believe in? And last week, we talked about change. How, how can we see our stories, our lives being changed? And we, we looked at Romans 12 and this idea from the Apostle Paul that like our root story must be changed if we want our life story to be changed. But it doesn't stop there. Change happens as we renew our mind and our thoughts and our thinking and our, our life according to that root story. But today I want, I want to go one step further 
And if you're just visiting with us, you can uh, hopefully, if you have some time, go back and check out the podcast from the last couple of weeks and maybe listen in and fill in some of the blanks that I'm leaving you with if you're just catching with us today. But I want to jump into this today, this idea of living this new story, this idea of living a new type of life or part of our lives. And I thought about it this way, and and I put this phrase together, and it it helped me kind of think around what I would really love to get across today, and it's this. You'll never experience a story that's only lived in your head. Think about that. You'll never experience a story that's only lived in your head. Like, you know, you've seen air guitarists, right? You ever seen air? Like, they're pretending they're playing guitar. I can do that right now, like, but I can't do that in real life. Like, I can only do that in my head. I, you, but you'll never experience the story that you only live in your head. And I want to jump into a portion of the scripture, Luke chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We're also going to show it on the screen. And it's, um, it's, it's a, a description of, I think, some practices that helped at least... Um, one of the disciples, but we would say for all of the disciples of Jesus that we can look at for our life of faith, but even the areas of our lives that we've been talking about this month uh, that we'd love to see grow in a different direction. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, it says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's just take... 15, 20 seconds, I'm going to ask you to pray on your own, in your mind, uh, and just ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. Sound good? So you do that. God, as you're hearing our prayers, um, we long to hear from you. We long for your spirit to impact us today, our hearts and our minds, and we long... um, for, for life and the life that you long for us. So you just welcome how, um, what you want to say to us today, God, in Christ's name. Amen. Hope you don't mind I asked you to pray. I think that's good. Like, I can pray, but it's awesome if you're praying. So, so I, I love Matthew's story is, is kind of interesting, right? Here's just the start. Like, we're just getting this little glimpse of Matthew's story. Well, it's, his name is Levi. Luke calls him Levi. But we understand him historically to be Matthew, one of the disciples. So Levi, Matthew, the same person. And I'm going to call him Matthew. As, as we encounter this part in his story where he encounters a new root story. Kind of like how we described that last week when something just completely changes in, in your life. And last week we talked about the root story of faith as the, the view, our new view of God's mercy. We live by mercy, not by merit. And here he encounters Jesus. He encounters this new root story. Now, Matthew had an old story. He grew up in a Jewish culture. 
He was working for the Roman Empire, so he learned from them. He was on their payroll. He became familiar with the Pax Romana, the way of the Romans, the way of the Roman Empire. Uh, His virtue, his character was blurred. He was a tax collector. He cheated people. He waited as people would, would come into checkpoints and would ask them for more money than they owed. And so his character, his virtue, his conscience was blurred. That's the kind of person Matthew was. But he encounters Jesus and he he begins to move into this new way of living. And what Matthew becomes is completely different. One, he becomes a follower of Jesus, one of Jesus' disciples. And um, he becomes immersed in the life and teachings of Jesus. In fact, he writes a gospel. Like one of the gospels, if you have a, a Bible, it's the first one in the New Testament. The gospel of Matthew. Matthew's words actually become a discipleship manual for the early church. For, for several centuries, even till today. Matthew was the kind of gospel writer that actually carefully put together in five packs in his gospel, five teachings of Jesus. And when you read Matthew's gospel, and if you have red letter Bibles, you know, it's like red from, verse, from chapters five to seven. And then red again, like in other parts, because he, he clumps Jesus' teachings together. He carefully thought that out. And one of the most popular words of Jesus ever are often read in Matthew, chapter 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's the way we long to live. It's the way of Jesus. So this is who Matthew becomes. But he becomes that because he starts living a new story. He doesn't just think about it in his head. He doesn't just encounter it. He doesn't just recognize his other influences. He doesn't just have some initial change. He begins to live it. And what, how I want to describe it is he has this new foundation, and now it becomes his new future. His new foundation in meeting Jesus and growing becomes his new future. He starts to live into that. Last week, we talked about the root story and the renewing of our minds according to this root story. And we kind of had this metaphor, like when you build a building and there's a, a foundation, the foundation is essential. But if you're going to erect that building, you, you, every piece of that building begins to reflect the foundation. And so Matthew's kind of in the middle. He, he, he meets Jesus. He, he decides uh, to follow him. He encounters this new story, but he's kind of in that middle and he's looking towards the future. So he has the foundation on one side and the future on the other. And he's kind of like the foundation is behind him. He's living out of it and he's looking forward, trying to live this future. So his foundation slowly becomes his future. It's a choice. So often we we make coming to faith only a supernatural experience, and I believe it is. Matthew began a journey, not an experiment. Matthew didn't just have an experience. He begins a life. And as he begins this life, it's not just an idea in his head. It's not just some theory. He actually begins to live it. And I want to kind of take these pieces of this, this text. And we can obviously, uh, you know, speak in different directions out of this text. And there's some core pieces. But I want to use this text as a way to help us understand how do we live this? How do we live a new life when we discover it? How do we live uh, a new life when we make changes towards it? When, when we recognize our influence and realize, I want something different, and it could be your whole life, it could be parts of your life, when you discover that root story and start renewing your mind towards it, but then there's the actual living it. And I think what happens here for Matthew is something that we can take and actually apply to our own lives. So today I want it to be really, really practical in this way. And the first idea that we see in this text is what it means to become an apprentice. If we want to actually live a certain way, we must become an apprentice. 
What's an apprentice? Someone who apprentices with someone. I got my hair cut this week, and, and my, actually the guy who cuts my hair was asking me about what we're talking about in church these days. And so we were talking about it. And I actually said, man, you know, it's, what I'm talking about this week is like if I want to cut hair, I'd have to come hang out with you for a long time and maybe stand far away, sit in the other chair and watch. And then maybe you let me stand close and maybe you, you let me cut a little bit and use some of the tools. And slowly I apprentice with you and I slowly begin to learn how to cut hair. That's the idea of an apprentice. If we want to live in a new way, we need to become apprentices. One of the things that we read in this text, in the next slide, when we just read it out there, where Jesus says these words, follow me. Really simple. Follow me. That, when Jesus said those words, he's telling Matthew, become my apprentice. Become my disciple. So it's not just a reaction to a supernatural experience, even though our faith is. Because, see, Jesus was becoming well-known. Matthew was starting to understand who he was. He was maybe enamored by this new rabbi on the scene worth following. And Matthew makes this decision partly based on faith, partly based on his thinking through, do I want to do this? And Jesus says, will you follow me? Will you become my apprentice? Matthew becomes his apprentice. Now, we don't know all the particulars, but we know Matthew made a choice to learn from Jesus. Matthew made a choice to make Jesus his master, his Lord, and he becomes Jesus' apprentice. See, too often we only see Jesus as God. I mean, that's great. Or we only see Jesus as Savior. Awesome, he went to the cross for me. But we rarely see Jesus as Lord, one whom we apprentice with. Not as someone who actually, sometimes we don't think of Jesus as someone who actually knows anything about life or living it. Well, like, yeah, I go to church for church stuff. I, I connect with my community group or read my Bible so I can experience God. But then when I go to work, Jesus doesn't really know about my work. And he's, he can't really help me deal with my relationships there. And, uh, he, you know, what, what does Jesus know about my relationships? Right? But when we become someone's apprentice, we begin to learn from them. Jesus is someone who actually does know about life and knows about living it. And so Matthew sees in Jesus the best leader, the best mentor possible for all of life. We see it even in the party he throws after he starts to follow Jesus. It tells us that Matthew throws a party with all his tax collector friends and other friends, and he mixes it up. Well, who did that? Jesus did that. Jesus was known as someone who hung around with sinners and tax collectors. Well, Matthew started to become known as someone who did that. The story was written about him. Matthew's following Jesus' example, his mentor, his master, living out the traits of Jesus. So living out a new story requires an apprentice, any part of your life. Now, on a side note, if you want to become a Christian or if you are a Christian, you and I need to be apprentices of Jesus and by default of or within the church. This is true of all of life, though. Any direction requires learning. Last couple of, last couple of weeks, the same person uh, at Westside sent me a picture of um, um, Tom Brady. And he sends me this picture, Tom Brady, the, the quarterback, and just a little subtitle. He said, change your story. So the first time he sent me this, and this is kind of like talking about Tom Brady's uh, nutrition and exercise routine, I kind of laughed and like, ah, that's funny. Lots of people need that. And then the week later, he sent me the picture again, change your story. And then I started to get offended. I was like, is there something about this that has to change? You know, like, why are you sending me this message? 
And I'm thinking, I, okay, okay, I get it. I should change my story, my look, my fitness, my flexibility, whatever. And I mean, let's be honest, I can't go wrong if I apprentice with Tom Brady. I'll become more fit and more flexible. And although I'm probably too old to get into pro football. But, but I was like, okay, I get it. So, I mean, you know, he was poking fun at me. I won't tell you who he is. Can you stand? No, I'm just joking. Um, but there's this, there was that kind of provoking there, right? Um, last couple of months, uh, Terry Gunther has been part of our leadership team, and he's, all, he's led a team or two within our church, and particularly this location team of several people uh, as we're looking forward um, to lease a new location. And, and I've, I've noticed some things as Terry was running meetings. He, there were some goals and some time limits and some ways that he, he, uh, he was able to um, encourage people to jump onto some tasks. And, and I didn't say anything, but I was just taking some mental notes and, and uh, kind of thinking about some things. And, and in some ways, I was kind of becoming an invisible apprentice to Terry's meeting uh, agendas. And uh, he doesn't know this, and I didn't really tell him about it. But then I thought, yeah, you know, I, I could learn a thing or two about meetings, and he's led hundreds of them over the years in his career. And so the last two meetings I led the last month, they were different. They ended on time, and people left with tasks. I was like, okay, I'm getting this, you know, I'm becoming an apprentice, right? And so, so that's a good thing. There's areas of our lives where we will need apprentice, uh, we need to become an apprentice, and I've done this, and I've asked some people in our church community that are really uh, just, just gifted in prayer. And sometimes I say, can you help me understand how when you're praying for this or this, the tension, uh, you know, biblically, and how do you do that? Or there's uh, someone in our church who always prays, so, like, silent. I never hear them pray, but I know they're like prayer warriors. And I ask them, how do you stay focused? How do you pay attention? How do you keep praying when you're just quiet? And they've helped me understand that. I'm, I want to become an apprentice to their prayer life. There's some parents in our church community. I'm watching you because you're a little bit past me in terms of, uh, of, of the age of your kids. And, and I want to lead my teenage kids well now. They're both in high school and, and into young adulthood. And so in some ways, I, I really want to be a good parent. And I want to be a person who develops my kids into great people. So I want to, in some ways, I need to be an apprentice to those who are a little bit beyond me. Matthew did this with Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, Matthew becomes his apprentice. He says yes to Jesus. And he listens and he learns and he inquires and he processes and he attempts and he grows. Now here's a little tip. If you want to be an apprentice in any area of your life, you must do it with all your heart and you must do it humbly. You must be ready to learn and grow and take feedback and take input And you must even let somebody know. I didn't do this with Terry, but let someone know. Will you mentor me? Will I want to be your apprentice in this area of my life? And and even ask them to mentor you. Listen openly. Confess vulnerably. Put put it on the calendar. I'm going to meet with them and pay for their coffee. Just pay for their coffee. You know, just do that. But here's the thing. If you want to live a new story, whatever that story is, Whatever part of your life you're saying, I need change, I need growth, you need to become an apprentice to growth. Here's this next piece we see from from this glimpse of Matthew's life. And it's this, to detach from our attachments. First thing is becoming an apprentice. The next piece that we see in this, in Matthew's start and, and movement forward, is a detachment from his attachments. And we read it where when Jesus says, follow me, it says something about Matthew. It says... Levi, Matthew, got up and what? What does it say? Can we say it? What does it say? Left everything. 
Okay, I think this is it's a real big encompassing statement. And there's probably some things in his life that remained the same. But I think the heart of it is he detached from his attachments in order to live this new life. Because to live a new story, you're going to need to, I'm going to need to drop some baggage that I've carried with me or drop some attachments that I'm attached to because from my old story. I was involved in this cohort group with a bunch of other church leaders across the northeast coast from here to Boston. And one of the things they would do when we got together, after we learned some things and talked about some things, they often ended our time together and said, okay, they put this kind of blank sheet on the wall and they had two big columns, start and stop. Because the, the, what, what I would leave and like, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, that's what I want to do. So what are you going to start? But then there was this other column, what are you going to stop? It was a really helpful column because I realized as if you want to move in a certain direction, yeah, there's going to be some things you take in and start, but there's going to be some things you need to stop and let go of. And that's this, the core idea of detaching from our attachments. Think of Matthew. I mean, it's pretty certain Matthew left his tax collector's booth. And that was not only because he followed Jesus pretty intensely. He still had friends and relatives and family, and he still had to somehow maybe work on the side or something, but he left his tax collector booth. He probably left the view of God that he got, this mishmash of of partly Judaism, which wasn't necessarily bad, but then his time within the Roman Empire and a mix of what they talked about, his own opinions formed, and he probably left that view of God He detached from it to learn this new, fuller view of God found in Jesus. Probably had to let go of what he trusted for provision to move forward. And here's the reason why. Because every new story needs margin. Every new story needs space. Every new direction in your life needs space for you to grow into. And your attachments take up space. Some of the attachments are destructive. You've got to just cut them off. Some of them just take up space And they won't allow you. They clog your life up. So here's a question. What attachments must you detach from? If if you want to move forward in in areas that God's been convicting you through this series or maybe at this season of your life, and you're saying, I so long to live out of a new story. And maybe you're getting the story as we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. And now you're saying, I want to move forward. The question is, what will you detach from? What attachments must you detach from to live this new story? Because I'll guarantee you, because I know from my own experience, that when I stay attached to my attachments, they keep me from moving forward. They keep me from the new. I stay connected to the old. Now, you need to wisely apply this. Some people, maybe that have struggled, and maybe here in our church community have struggled with things like addiction, maybe alcohol or substance abuse, and maybe you've needed to completely detach yourself from that. We would say that would be normal, Someone was addicted to cocaine. We don't say, just have a little bit, right? We, because we know it's just going to, they're going to stay attached, right? Um, someone who's been abused by certain people in their lives, sometimes they just need to cut off the relationship. Sometimes you can stay in relationship and not feel the attachment. Sometimes the abusive relationship needs to be completely cut off. Sometimes just some of the things you're tempted with, you need to discern what level of separation you need between you and whatever is tempting you. Sometimes it's just a level of connection or closeness that you need to discern, that is safe, that is healthy, that you can still be in relationship with or connected with, but you're no longer attached to. So you need discernment in that. But here's 
one guarantee. When Matthew moved in this new direction, he left some stuff behind. And if we want to live a new story, we need to detach ourselves from attachments. You can't live a new future attached to the past. Here's this next thing. And it's, um, it's action. There must be action associated with our new story. We, like we said before, we can't just li- live it in our heads. It's not just a theory. Oh, and you just dream of this and think about this and maybe believe it even as you, re- you read the scriptures or maybe God convicts you or you're talking with friends and you realize, yes, this is the best way to move forward. If it's only in your head, if it's only a theory, without action, you won't move forward because theory isn't enough. You know, the modern idea of belief is, is often like my worldview, what I think. The New Testament idea of belief is I completely reorient my life to what I believe in. And because we, we all live out the stories we believe in. And so your new story and my new story requires action, requires us to actually do something. And Matthew acted. He left everything and he followed Jesus. It was a distinct action he took. And he moved in this new direction and, he, and the decisions according to Jesus' lead. And he took this path forward seriously. He said, I am going to move in this way. I'm going to live it, act it, decide on it every step of the way. I read this story um, about one of my favorite authors, Dallas Willard. He passed away a couple of years ago. He taught, he taught philosophy at University of Southern California. Very smart guy. He's a scholar on some like older philosophers and well-known in the philosophy world. But he's a believer. He's a Christian. He's, he's so committed to being a disciple of Christ. So somebody tells a story about Dallas one day where he's teaching in university, in, uh, I guess in Southern California, and, um, which was often happened sometimes. A student would want to question the teacher and maybe prove the teacher wrong. And so a student asked this question with all intention to stump Willard. And, you know, to kind of think, hey, I'm right here. And some of the other students have heard this argument before. And in their heads, they're thinking, man, the prof's just going to destroy this student. I mean, seriously, it was a silly question. He's going to destroy it. So the student asks the question, tries to, to confront Willard. And Willard listens and says, thanks so much for the question. I think we're going to stop class right now. We'll resume next week. And some of the other students are like, what? And they went up to him and said, like, Professor, why did you do that? You could have destroyed this student. You could have, like, wiped him out of the water with your arguments. And he tells his students, he said, the last several weeks, God has been convicting me about me always wanting to have the last word in things. And I just felt like I need to act on this. I can't just think about it. And so today was the day. I was confronted, and I just felt like I'm not going to have the last word. Shut the book, and I close the class. And I thought about that story. I'm like, that's crazy. Because he had all the power, position, knowledge, capability to respond and just put the student down. But in his heart, he knew, I want to be the kind of person, at least in this, that does not always have to have the last word. Well, how's that going to happen? How's someone going to live that out? You can't just say that. So he says, I'm actually going to do it. I'm sure he thought about that. I'm sure he thought, when, what situation would arise for me to practice this, for me to live this out? And so he intentionally plans to respond or react in ways according to what? His new life, his new direction, a different story he wants to live out of. So question, what must you do today that reflects your new life? 
What must you do this afternoon that reflects your new life? And a second question, if you actually know, why haven't you done it yet? Why haven't we acted? Why haven't we made a step? Why haven't we planned to react in a different way? You know, my, my wife catches me saying sorry and promise a lot. Those two words, sorry and I promise. And then she says, why don't you just do it, Dave? <laughs> right? And it's true, right? It's like, that can happen. You can I'm sorry, I'm so genuine, and, you know, I'm really real, and I'm sorry I didn't do this, and I said I would do it, and I've said promise seven times. And, and it's like, there's this idea of, well, then just do it. So let me tell you, like, stop, let's stop saying, I'm going to bless people and just bake a cake tomorrow, you know? Stop saying something like, I'm going to spend time with my kids. Just actually go out with your kids or take the afternoon with your kids or stop saying, I'm going to get, I'm going to become generous. I'm going to give to God's mission. Just write a check. Just go on whatever website and press send. Put on a mountain. Just do it, right? Just act on it. Stop saying we're going to do it and just do it. I've been convicted about this over the last couple of years about praying for people. I shared a little bit in, my, in the e-news this week. And it happened last week in the hallway. Someone from our church, I was chatting with them just at the water fountain. It was about 30 minutes before we started. And, and she was telling me about uh, her health situation and something's going on at home. And in my old self, like five years ago, what a common thing we all say, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm going to pray for you. And to be, maybe you do. Maybe you're good at that. You can write it down. You think about it. You remember it. Put it in your phone. I'm horrible at remembering that stuff. And I would feel guilty after because I know I would say I'm going to pray for you. But then sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't. So to that person last week, I said, oh, man, you know what? Can, like, you have 10 seconds. Can I just pray with you right now? And I, just on the spot. And that helps me because I know I will forget. Maybe you're not like me, but that's me. I'm like, I'm going to pray with you right now. Can we do that? And I love... Um, kind of making this shift in my life because whether it's on the phone with someone uh, here at church, uh, this Friday I was with someone at a coffee shop and just ended and said, you know what, let's just pray for your day to start this off with some of the things you're concerned about. Just to do it. Because I don't want to live my life in my head. I don't want to live the new life that God's calling me to, the new direction in certain areas just in my head. I want to act on it. So today, like what, what is it? Whatever change you need, whatever support or counsel you need, whatever relationship you need to nurture, whatever environment you need, whatever it is you actually have to do, like Matthew, get up and follow. Get up and do. Get up and act. So our actions associated with our new life. And then this last piece, and I think this is where we, what, what all, I know I need this in my life. And I, I believe Matthew, we see a glimpse of this in Matthew and we see it in the rest of the New Testament. And it's this, arrange your life according to your new story. Arrange your life according to your new story. I love what happens next in the text. And we see that Matthew, then Levi held a great banquet at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. I mean, I have this sense because Jesus, when he had, when we read other moments of these follow me moments, He's often told them, told them, you're going to come, you're going to be fishers of men with me. We're going to reach people together. Follow me, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be part of what God is doing in the world. And, and I love what happens here. After this decision, Matthew, gets, Matthew throws a party at his house. 
with all his friends and other friends and Jesus, and they eat together. He arranged an environment. He arranged a moment. He arranged a time in his calendar to begin living out this new life. He didn't just leave it in his head. He didn't just leave it in, in his, on his goals, you know, like written in his journal. He didn't just talk about it. He actually, he did it, and he arranged his life according to this new story. And, man, this is where, this is, I think, where we can fail or move forward. Because we can have the best intentions, we can be so inspired, we can literally have amazing moments with God in worship and prayer, we can have a sense of conviction from the Holy Spirit, and we can even begin to act, but if we don't arrange our life around this new story, if we don't arrange our, our, our disciplines and our patterns and our, our environments, we, it, it could be that moment of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this or I'm going to not live this. Because we... We're just, we're humans. We're creatures of habit. And we need to arrange our life according to our new story. You know, you already do this anyways. You just, and we do this anyways. Maybe you're just, we're just not intentional about it. Maybe our life is arranged around different stories. Maybe multiple stories. Maybe the wrong stories. But they're still arranged in some way to live out some things. So we do it. The point is, if we are convinced to move forward... And to live this new story, we need to arrange our lives around it. Matthew arranged his life around Jesus, his practices, the disciples. I believe that Matthew would never become who he was going to become. That Matthew would never have continued to follow Jesus. That Matthew would never have written his gospel if he didn't arrange his life around his new life. If he didn't arrange his agenda, his, his decisions around this new life. And here's the reason And I'll say this phrase, and I hope it's helpful for you because it's helpful for me. Every life requires a lifestyle. Every life requires a lifestyle. Now, you can flip that because my lifestyle will tell you what kind of life I'm really living. But the life I want to live will require adjustments to my lifestyle. Every life requires a lifestyle. And I think it comes in these two pieces as we slowly wrap this up. It's, it's, It's people and it's patterns. Or let me reverse it. It's patterns and it's people. To arrange our life in such a way that it supports our new story. The patterns we commit ourselves to. The things we put on our agenda. The, the, the things we commit to. What we look at throughout our week and our month. To create and commit to patterns that fuel your new life. For me, there's different things in my life that I will struggle with or grow into. But there's one area that I really felt God has convicted me about and moved in. It's this Monday morning thing for me. I've, and it's, it's been this kind of Monday morning Sabbath for me. And on a Monday morning, I tend to read a spiritual book, like maybe people like dead Christians, Christians from the last 1,500 years type of reading. I'm like, every Monday, I want to read something different that challenges me, that helps me grow in my faith, that, that speaks to me, that makes me think differently. And so my Monday morning routine often is some kind of spiritual reading that's different and maybe an area of my life that I need. And then it involves some kind of like physical activity. And you're thinking, really, Dave, the physical activity is not working. But the, but the point, the thing is for me, I'm like, I feel like, and you might say, that takes willpower. No, I do that because I don't have willpower. That, see, you get that? I, I'm, I read that book or whatever I cho- choose to read for the next several months on a Monday because I, I choose to make that just a given unless something like 
radical happens because I need that. And I realize I don't have willpower. I don't, I can't just grow into this new life by myself. So that's, that's part of a pattern for me. And then this kind of exercise or physical routine just helps me with that. But it's, it's creating these patterns. For you, it might be something else. But, and there's other parts of my life that's, that I have that set up in different ways. But the other piece of the, the agenda or the arrangement is people. You, we need to get around people that fuel, your, fuel our new story. You need to get around people that fuel your new story because there's other people in your life that aren't fueling that story. I've told this before, but I remember like when we were getting married, my wife and I, like, you know, 20 years ago, I remember this story vividly. She would come home and tell me that so many of the people in her work would tell her like, man, Franca, rent your furniture. You're not going to stay married for long. You know, are you crazy? So all these, you know, half the people in the office telling her this and she would come home like, these people were part of her life. Now, she didn't go to work and never talk to them. It was the wisdom of how do I detach from my attachments. But she, had, she ended up fueling herself with other people. We need to fuel ourselves with people around us. So if you want to pray more, get around people who are praying. If you want to grow in your faith more, get around people who are growing in their faith. If you want to grow in being productive, get around people. If, if you want to grow in different ways and get around other Christians, if, if you want to love your family, then actually spend time with your family, right? It's just about the, it's about the people. Today we talked about groups and joining a group. Why do we encourage people? Because it's not just about here, you coming here and we're all here in this place. It's about pockets of people encouraging each other, challenging each other. And I was just chatting with, with one guy this morning, just talking about his, his connection with the St. Anne's group and, and how that's slowly flourishing and growing and how it's encouraging. And I'm thinking, like, that's amazing. That's what happens when we arrange our life according to our new story. We get connected with people that fuel that story. So part of it's our faith story. So get connected to a group. Sign up today. Get interested. Find out information. Make a step. Act. But in other parts of your life, look for those people that fuel your new story. We're going to close and take some time and pray. Today was, you know, I tried to kind of just try and make it like basic practical ideas. And um, as, we, as we come to a close, why don't you stand as we, we, we just wrap this up in the next minute. I believe with all my heart that you can live a new story. I believe with all my heart that the convictions God is placing on your heart, genuine convictions that are coming from the Holy Spirit, whether it's the core idea of your faith and walking with Jesus or whether it's teased out of this core new story, whether it's how God wants to work in your relationships, your friendships, your singleness, your marriage, your work, your finances, I believe it's possible, but I also believe it's not just gonna happen. It's possible, but it's not just gonna happen. We need to become apprentices of a new story. We need to detach ourselves from the attachments. We need to take action. We need to arrange our life. But here's the beautiful thing. We're not alone. When God begins to work in our lives, he also helps us as he orchestrates things around us or uses the things around us. And he promises us to be with us, to guide us, to shape us, And I love this last little eye-opening piece where, you know, the Pharisees complain, right? And they're like, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They're questioning Matthew's story. They're questioning Matthew's new life. 
They're questioning Jesus. They're questioning this new direction. They're saying like, why are you doing this? Why are you sitting and, act and sitting with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you living this new way? And that could really oppose people. You could feel, you could feel objection. You can feel obstacle. You can feel rejection. You can feel let down. You can feel pushed and critiqued. And Jesus tells them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And I think in, in some ways, we know this when it comes to faith. Like, only if you know you need God will you pursue him. And he's telling them, you, just, you guys just don't know you need this, but you do need it. Those who know they need it will go for it. And in some ways, he's also telling us as we move towards this new life, is like, unless you really feel and know that you need this, you will not pursue it. You will not apprentice with anybody. You will not act. You will not arrange. You will not detach from your attachments. Jesus says, do you know deeply inside that, that you need something new, that you need to grow in this area or that area? Or maybe some of you just on the starting or behind the, the starting line of faith, do you realize you need this? Jesus says, when you know that, that's the best posture to be in because then you're going to move forward then you're going to trust. And Jesus says, you can trust me. You can trust me. Let's pray today just reminded of that trust we can have in Christ. Just before we do, as you're thinking and maybe your eyes are closed and you're, you're reflecting on this, ask God to reveal to you right now What is, what part of my life, Lord, needs to be new? What areas of my life, Lord, are not the life that you long for me to live? What areas of my life have I acknowledged you as God and Savior, but not Lord? Maybe you even need to admit right now that you have merely seen Jesus as a spiritual fix. But not the master of the universe, the smartest person in the universe, the one who can lead us into all of life. Maybe you need to admit that this morning. Holy Spirit, as you stir our hearts, as you remind us or prompt us, Lord, give us the courage, the vulnerability, the humility to recognize. Lord, where we don't truly allow you to lead and be Lord of our lives, help us to see clearly, God, the areas in our lives you long for newness, out of a new story. God, for some right now who, are, who their hearts are just burning to see change. God, thank you for this amazing model in Matthew's life. In the kind of call you also have on our lives. Lord, may we not be too proud to become apprentices. 
God, may we not be too blind to, to see the attachments we need to attach, detach from. God, may we not lack courage to act according to our new story. And Lord, we long for wisdom, for wisdom and discernment in how to arrange our lives according to the new path you have in store for us. Lord, for some, it's, it's the full throttle discipleship path. Some here are just longing to grow in you, longing to keep following you. And, and God, I pray that you, you help us to see that we cannot do this alone. It doesn't just happen. You are with us. You guide us. But these pieces need to be in play. And maybe as some of us are thinking about our marriage or our singleness or our friendships or our, our work, um, our gifts, our, our finances, God, may we move forward in these new paths, a life that can be abundant, a life that honors you, a life that trusts you. God, we pray this in Christ's name, and we thank you for your grace and your Holy Spirit that is with us moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen.